Our scripture reading today goes very well with the life of John Lewis, and it's one of my favorite passages. Romans 12, 1 through 8, has often been met, um, tacked onto my refrigerator there for times when I have felt the need to be able to read those words as a word of encouragement and a way of getting through a difficult time. The words of Romans 12 call us to be a transformed vision of ourselves in the world. And in Paul's quest for unity in the Roman church, he encourages the Jewish and the Gentile disciples to create something new, something bigger than themselves, to become a holy embodiment, a part of the body of Christ. So Paul urges them not to be conformed to the world and its violence and its competition, but to be transformed by the renewing of their minds and to allow that transformed vision to help them discover their place in the body, as each one of us uses the gifts given to them to make the body complete. For this transformation to occur, each one of us must act, be a living sacrifice, to let go fully and to emerge wholeheartedly as something recreated and whole. So friends, here are the words of Romans 12, one through eight. I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For is, as in one body, we have many members, and not all of the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually, we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministry, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another and do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Here ends the reading. May we find in these words 
an eternal sense of call to unification, to embodiment in that which is holy. Amen. So since the pandemic began, I've been basically living an indoor existence in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan, helping my sister care for our 95-year-old mother. And there are days when I cannot recall the last time I left the house or when I was last at home in Connecticut. Between caregiving, the lockdown, and the phase reopening, I have surrendered this season of my life. Parts of my everyday existence have morphed into something new and often very different. It would be fair to say that I, like many of you, know something of what it feels like to cocoon. Now, the word cocoon conjures up this kind of cozy and safe place to get away from the chaos of the world, and to some degree, that's actually true. But in real life, the transformation that occurs inside the cocoon demands more of us than our time. It demands something deeper and more life-altering. The transformation that occurs as the caterpillar turns into the butterfly is this tiny miracle that captures the imagination and instills in many of us an early delight in nature. So it's no wonder then that from the time we were in kindergarten, we have all learned that there is something special and wonderful that happens in that silky cave. Well, I was quite delighted to find that the May 24th issue of the New York Times Magazine totally focused on what life has been like during quarantine. Each one was uh, an essay to some weird, quirky part of what this world has been like in the last five months. Well, by then it was only three. I was particularly struck by Sam Anderson's essay entitled, The Truth About Cocoons. And in that article, he asks, what is it actually like inside a cocoon? Is it cozy and peaceful? Is it cramped and dim? Is the bug stay voluntary, involuntary, or something in between? And what really happens during that seemingly magical change? Is it inspiring and wondrous, or is it unpleasant and grim? Well, honestly, I've never thought about those questions. I just thought about that really amazing thing that happens when you watch the butterfly emerge from that chrysalis. But it was interesting to learn that the caterpillar is literally born with everything it needs to turn into a butterfly. The chrysalis, the hard shell it uses to house itself during the transformation, and these imaginal discs, which have this sort of Disney-esque quality or sound to them, are these little seeds of the butterfly's eyes and wings and other central parts of its body. They're all there inside the caterpillar ready to be used. Well, it makes transformation seem rather easy, doesn't it? Cocoon is the soft, silky thread that the caterpillar encases itself in as it almost entirely dissolves itself into a goo. And that's when the process of forming a butterfly begins. Now, to be fair, the caterpillar doesn't have to do the hard work of choosing to transform like the Roman church was being asked to do. And humans also transform from the inside out. We too are equipped with hormones and our bodies transform without much say from us as the years move along from 
for example, our baby teeth falling out and the mature teeth under the gums emerge or as gray hair begins to sprout. But the transformative process to create unity is really hard work and it seems harder now than it has ever before. Well, maybe not, but certainly in our lifetime. The amazing thing is that we see people trying so hard to, to do this, to give fully of themselves and to find a new unity and to pull out the stops on injustice and the deeply ingrained racism in our country, even as these very powerful forces continue to seek to divide us. History teaches us that the human ability to unify as a body is a delicate and fleeting thing, when most often what we want is to be solid and permanent. We find it difficult as humans to stay focused on the big ideas that can hold us together. Our views and our concerns start to splinter and divide us. That's why Paul uses the body as his metaphor for the church, because the body is an amazing and powerful, but also fragile being. The body today, for example, is under attack from this new virus. In the first century, the body was subject to all kinds of disease and conditions that we in the richer parts of the world have now been protected from. Our lives as disciples of Jesus are meant to be a journey from seeing ourselves as independent bodies to seeing ourselves as members of the body of Christ. And it's a process of living into our identity, not as self-contained bodies, but as members of Christ's body. So we grow into that identity as we grow in empathy for others uh, and other members of that body. When, when another member of the body suffers, we too feel it and we offer our encouragement and our support. This holy embodiment then includes the affirmation of other bodies through justice keeping, through simpler living and for caring for our environment. Our transformation is demonstrated when we make a commitment to share resources, explore our assumptions about race and class, and to share, and in some cases, give up power. It's the hormones that tell the chubby caterpillar it's time to begin its transformation, to become a living sacrifice of self and become something new. And it is the safe place that the cocoon provides that allows the caterpillar to let go and to do this, to literally dissolve in order for it to become something new. Question is, when do we recognize that it is time for us to make a significant change in our individual and our communal lives. To, in essence, dissolve some old defiance or armor that no longer protects in the way that we always believed it did. And may we, in this process, each find a way of trusting, as in the words of the Psalm 138, that we too could thank God with a whole heart, even as like the psalmist, we wait for answers, even in our isolation, even though trouble exists, that we trust that God is still present and will provide all that we need to be that living sacrifice and to become part of 
that holy embodiment. May we trust that God is there with us to help us become what we are meant to be, using the gifts bestowed to us, the gifts that we have always had inside of us, so that we emerge, hopefully, with something new, and perhaps, as in the case of the caterpillar, as something beautiful. Amen.